Welcome to Kayla's Couch, a podcast about faith, family, mental health, and anything else. Grab a seat and get cozy as we discuss life as a Christian, a parent, a student, a person. Settle in and let's catch up. It's Kayla's Couch. Hello out there and thanks for listening. I'm Kayla. I'm so grateful that you decided to join me on the couch today. I want to start off this episode by sharing that the month of October is my favorite month. My birthday is this month and I love my birthday. It's also getting into fall weather and sweaters are literally one of my favorite things in this life. I love all things spooky. Well, actually, I should clarify all things spoopy. Now, if you've never heard that word before, I promise I didn't make it up. Spoopy is anything Halloween that's cutesy. So ghosts with smiley faces or the little pumpkin cartoons that you might have seen me share on Instagram. I just love it. I have been made fun of for using this word, but I'm not letting it go. I think it's adorable. Anyway, so Halloween, all things autumn, makes me so happy. Another important reason that I love October is it is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, which is kind of going to be the theme of this podcast today. The purpose of bringing awareness to pregnancy and infant loss is it's still largely a taboo subject. When someone hears me mention my daughter who was stillborn, it's often met with an uncomfortable response. People don't know what to say. But for someone like me who still wants to feel like my daughter is part of my family, I want to talk about her. Another reason it's important, to, for me at least, to tell about my experience is to help women possibly avoid what happened to me or know how to talk to their friends and family who have experienced it. One in four women experience either a miscarriage, a stillbirth, or child loss. So if it hasn't happened to you, it's happened to someone you love, and you might not even know it. That's why it's important to talk about it and bring awareness to it. I want to go back and clarify a little bit about when I say trying to help women maybe not experience what I did. And the reason I say that is because now I'm definitely an advocate for trusting your gut. Um, When we lost our daughter about two days before the appointment when we found out, I had like a weird pain or like an intuition kind of thing. where I just felt like something was wrong. We were far enough along, I was 28 weeks, where I had felt her move quite a bit. And so we had decreased movement, but I had an appointment scheduled already for two days later. So I kind of hoped that it was nothing and said, oh, I'll just wait for my appointment. The doctor will clear everything up. She's probably just getting bigger, that sort of thing. But obviously that wasn't the case. And so while I know because my doctor told me after the fact that it was nothing that could have been prevented, um, I still wish that I had gone to the hospital that day that I felt like something was off. I wish that I hadn't have felt like, oh, I'm just going to be annoying. No, if you feel something's wrong, you need to call your doctor, go to the emergency room, whatever you feel you need to do. And so that's what I mean when I say possibly avoid what happened, because 
Now I tell anyone who tells me, oh, something feels off or maybe something feels wrong, but I think I'm annoying my doctor because I just called her yesterday. Doesn't matter. I'm always going to say now, call if you feel something weird. Call him for anything, honestly. So my daughter's passing is really the central reason that I decided to become a counselor. I have had to learn how to process my grief following her death and how to handle the feelings that still come up. It comes in waves. Sometimes it feels completely out of the blue, like I'll see a seven-year-old girl and know that my daughter would be about that size, or I'll be planning my son's birthday, who was born one year and one week after her, and wonder what theme she would have wanted. Uh, My husband joined me for a mini-interview to answer some questions about his experience and coping after our loss, so check it out. Can you tell me your perspective of the time leading up to the doctor's appointment? Like, were you aware of how worried I was? Like, prepared at all for something to be wrong? I would say I was very, very naive. Um, I knew that you had felt some pain a few days before we actually went to the doctor. But I, I really think in my mind, I didn't think it was even possible for anything bad to happen. You know, I was... 21 at the time and this was our first child I really just felt that everything was going to be okay and so I thought we'd go to the doctor and they'd say everything was fine yeah and I definitely thought that was going to be the case too which is why I was trying not to be I don't know trying not to think the worst possible case scenario um, which of course is exactly what happened so what were your first thoughts following the news that the there was no heartbeat? So I can remember sitting in the doctor's office very clearly. Um, I remember the, the moment the nurse couldn't find the heartbeat the first time. And that was kind of when the internal panic set in. Yeah. And I was still, you know, had a little bit of hopeful optimism left inside me that oh you know the doctor's gonna come in and and he's gonna he's gonna find her and he's gonna find the heartbeat um and then you know when he came in and couldn't find the heartbeat and there was you know that long Mm -hmm. terrible pause you know and all he could really say was sorry that was kind of really it uh you know, when a doctor is just all they can say to you is sorry, there's really no hope left at that point. You know, we, yeah. we, we knew the answer and I, I didn't really want to know that. I, I didn't want that to be the answer. Um, I remember, you know, sliding down onto the floor against the wall in the tiny little doctor's office and had my hands in my face and was just bawling and it, you know, right away, that first feeling was that the world was just crashing. Um, you know, it felt those first few minutes felt really personal. You know, really I was long. just, yeah, very, very long. I was just in my own little cocoon sitting there, just hoping for a way for what was happening to not be real. Yeah. And then the, 
the car ride home was like 30 minutes just felt like some weird dream mm-hmm. well nightmare i guess it really didn't even feel real it felt like an eternity just sitting there and you know, doing something so normal like just driving down the same highway back home that we drive you know all the time right and i think you know that was obviously like what happened immediately after one of the parts i really hated the most um was was telling people yeah and i think this is where it was really well obviously calling my parents was gut-wrenching um listening to you call your parents was just as gut-wrenching you know we had to tell them but i really didn't want to talk to anyone yeah i just remember like knowing once we told them they would do it the the rest for us like you know what i mean like i told my mom i was like can you just tell everyone because i can't do it did you feel supported after like um with family checking in did people try to comfort you or say anything to you so this was kind of weird for me, I think. I know for you, because we've talked about this for years now, that the support we got from from people around us wasn't enough. Yeah, I just want to clarify, like, not enough to make it better. You know, not that people didn't try, just it wasn't enough to really make a difference in how I felt. And in... In my mind, you know, me going through it, looking back now, I don't think I wanted support at the time. A lot of my mental energy uh, went towards you and trying to be there for you and to be with you. And, um, you know, so I, I didn't even really want to talk about it with anyone. One thing that I was really happy to receive. One thing I do remember being thankful for was uh, getting meals from our church family and, and friends during those first few weeks right after. And really, I was most appreciative for that because we were able to just stay inside and not <laughs> go anywhere. Right. And we had that, you know, little, little bubble uh, in that first week or so where we didn't have to face reality. We didn't have to face the world. Going back to regular life was just awful. Uh, when she passed, I was a few weeks away from going into my senior year of college. Right. And it was really, really weird seeing people that I wasn't that close to, but close enough to that they knew some things about my life. Um, you know, and obviously when you're still in college and you're expecting a baby, you know, that's something people tend to remember because yeah. it's kind of an odd thing for people that age. So seeing people that I hadn't seen since the spring uh, and then, you know, them asking about Arlo was just really hard. And it's funny looking back now, I can see that at the time I tried really hard to make them not feel awkward. Yep. You know, thinking about, oh, you know, I don't want to make this a really weird conversation for them. I'm going to just get out of it as quickly as possible. So, you know, they would ask and I'd say what happened. And then, 
just change a subject as quick as possible or kind of skirt over it. And, um, you know, looking back, I, I don't think that was the right thing to do, but I don't well, know. Well, it was what was natural. Yeah. I guess I just really didn't want to to talk to people about it, especially people that, you know, I was just acquaintances with. Yeah. Well, I think that comes from knowing that they can't really say anything to make it better. So you'd rather just not have that conversation at all. Yeah. What do you think is the most important thing to teach our kids about her? That she was a real person, that she's their sister, that we will be with her again one day. It's hard for them to grasp, I think, that she was real and that she is more than just a picture on the wall. Yeah. I think it's important for them to know that she really is part of our family. Do you have any advice for dads who experience something like this? So I think this is kind of twofold in my mind. Uh, More for husbands of pregnant wives, I would say never doubt uh, your wife's gut for a second. No amount of Googling or advice from a doctor or anything like that can really replace a mother's instinct. You know, I wish with all my heart that I could go back and drive us to the hospital the very first second that you felt like something was off. Yeah. Uh, for dads that are going through this loss, support your wife as, as much as you can and then double it. That, that's what I felt was my job is to be there for you as long as you needed it and, you know, as much as I could possibly be. I think you were. Thank you. Um, Are there any helpful things people can say or do, especially for the dad in a situation like we had? So it's funny because I had said earlier in a question that I didn't want to talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I really think just telling them you're sorry and that you love them, giving them a hug because some of the most impactful moments for me were with other grown men that I, you know, respected or looked up to. So, you know, my father and people like that, uh, you know, people that were able to set aside like that stereotype of men and their feelings and how, you know, how, how men should treat their feelings and, and to tell me that they loved me and that they cared for me and they were sorry. You can just feel honesty and authenticity and it is really impactful. So, you know, where I got, you know, sorries and I love yous a lot, you can feel those sorries and I love yous that were just so authentic. Really the only thing that is in the way of it is your own pride or embarrassment. Mm. Thanks again to Noah for agreeing to do this. He really wasn't thrilled about um, being on with me, but I'm glad that he was able to give a little bit of his perspective. I'm so thankful for my faith in Jesus and my assurance that the should-have-beens were not a thwarted plan. He knew my story before it happened, and I have faith that I'll see her again. But going back to why this made me realize my hope to be a counselor, 
I told most of my story in the first episode, but I'll elaborate that when I sought counseling for my anxiety and grief, I was looking for a Christian counselor. I'll specify I was not looking for a biblical counselor who only uses the Bible as a counseling resource, but a licensed clinical counselor who could incorporate the Bible into my counseling goals. Please don't misunderstand and think that I'm against biblical counseling. I think it can be useful within the church to help in a lot of different ways. But for five years, I would say to myself, why do I feel depressed and worried all the time? I love Jesus and I pray for peace and courage, but nothing's happening. I realized I needed to treat my mind like I treat my body when it's hurt and go to someone who was specifically trained to handle all the things that I had been dealing with. All of that to say, I was so happy with my experience of counseling that when I saw other women around me dealing with things like loss, divorce, mental illness, but not knowing what resources to seek out or next steps to take, and I felt like it was a void that I could fill. So I'm really interested to hear from anyone listening. Have you struggled with anything related to mental health? Or is it maybe a corny subject to you? I know there's a lot of people who hear what I'm studying and they roll their eyes at me because so many people are talking about mental health nowadays, but I stand my ground and defend the awareness that people are bringing to it. My generation and the one coming up are constantly faced with instant gratification, constant news, and media updates. They're inundated with content and comparison, and I realize it in myself with issues I've had with confidence in my own skin and feeling jealous of the travel influencers or the women who have like probably an endless wardrobe or can get their kids to eat vegetables. Seriously, what do I need to do to get my kids to even try one vegetable? I don't know. If you know, send me an email, would you? So that was my pretty long-winded commercial for Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. If you're interested in learning more, please check out the Star Legacy Foundation on Facebook or Instagram. Also, Tuesday, October 10th, is World Mental Health Day. I am so grateful to now have this space to talk about and learn more about mental health alongside you. All right, now I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I have some music that I need to share with you. I am a huge pop fan, and I can't even hide it. So Ed Sheeran just put out this new album called Autumn Variations. I will put out a disclaimer that there are some songs that are marked explicit. So if you have littles in the car, it might not be the album to put on. But seriously, the best album to listen to as the leaves change and the weather gets cooler. It's just a very chill album and I've really liked listening to it the last few days. Also, I'm not sure if any of you follow him on Instagram, but he's really funny. And I don't know. I don't know that I didn't know that, but he put out a couple commercials for, and you can't see my air quotes, but commercials for um, the album. And one of them was the damper hamper, which cracked me up. It was like all things autumn, but like in a funny way, like wet mulch and a rake. And I don't even know what else was in there, but it was funny. So if you go on to Instagram, you go to Ed Sheeran's page, look for the reel that's for the the ad for the damper hamper because I was laughing so hard. And then recently he was in New York City and he did like, I don't know what you would call it. He was doing 
marketing, duh, marketing's the word, for the album. And so he was in the back of a van, and I guess they would pull fans from wherever he was playing that night, and they would come to the back of the van and open it up, and it was Ed Sheeran holding an actual damper hamper that he gave out as like a promotional item. So it it had the rake, and it had a bag of mulch and some dead leaves, which I just... Again, I thought it was really funny. Maybe that's not your sense of humor, but made me laugh. So if there's any albums that you think I need to listen to, please send me an email. Also, two weeks from now, my friend Kelsey is going to be here with me unpacking some conspiracy theories as we get closer to Halloween. So I'm really excited about it. And if you have one that you, wink, definitely don't believe in, but maybe there's some truth to it. Let me know if we need to cover it. Send um, anything you know about the conspiracy theory to kaylascouch at gmail.com and maybe me and Kelsey will talk about it. So that is all for this episode of Kayla's Couch. Next week, I'm going to be talking about anxiety, my experience with it, and how I try to manage it now. Some wins and fails will be shared, and I will be officially introducing a resource I've been working on. It's a downloadable journal with encouragement, prayer, and devotionals that come from the scripture that I cling to in my journey of mental health. I'm really excited about it, and I can't wait to tell you more. I hope you'll join me next time on Kayla's Couch. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or sending it to a friend. You can follow me on Instagram at Kayla's Couch Pod and send me an email at kaylascouch at gmail.com with any feedback or recommendations you have. Let's hang out again. It's Kayla's Couch. Couch.